first things first. But not necessarily in that order. Thanks be to Ty. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I am Michael. I'm Shelby. Logically, I'm Colin. And I do believe I am still Jeremy. Tonight we are going to be dealing with... Oh, tonight we're going to be dealing with... Oh, tonight we're going to be dealing with Meglos. Oh, thank God I was worried we'd be stuck here forever. <laughs> Third time's a charm. You can only loop so many times. Actually, I think they looped like four or five times. They did, they did. Yeah, but Michael looped three, and I was giving him props. I think we we probably just needed three. I think we got the point after two. Yeah, yeah. It didn't really make sense that they had, like, a respite period between time loops. Yeah. They had like, to travel back, you know? Well, they had to have a moment in order to actually consider the fact yeah, that they that were was, in a time. That was the episode's logic. A chronic hysteresis. I mean, it was really... Yeah. It, what was interesting to me was that, like, they can... The doctor can never stop himself from tripping. Like, that was more or less where I was, like... Okay, I, I understand the whole idea of the time loop uh, paradox thing, or you get stuck in a time loop, and you start to realize something's wrong. But it always takes, like... A couple actions before you can finally be aware of it. Wiggle that, wiggle, you know, robot tail. Yeah, I feel like the doctor, you know, breaks so many social norms. His head's always in the clouds. Like, it always feels like he's tripping to me. What was ironic about that scene was that Romana keeps starting it off with, Blast! Here we go again. I'm pretty sure that was intended. Of course it was. (laughs) That was what made it fun. But... I don't. Uh, I don't think that how they got out of it made any sense because they certainly didn't repeat everything ad, ad, ad nauseum. Because doctor- yeah, they should have had to go through the loop a few more times until they got it right. Uh, also, yeah, you 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 fooled time, synchronizing it when you're having to go like move. move. Now, say the line. Wiggle the tail line. Say it. And I mean, like, plus the the, the premise of that in and of itself of just let's just. Let's just f- throw time off the scent by redoing the thing faster than we should have. <laughs> well, they also ended up. Well, there's up... no technological way out of it. That's <laughs> what they said. They said there is. There's no. There's no technical way or no logical way to get out of this. Yeah, you have to fleece time. You know. So, like... so the writer came up with the most illogical way of doing it, and that just made it all the worse. <laughs> so yeah. what what which, did we all I think like brings us like straight into the cliche of the episode, you know, science versus religion, story you know, two cultures <laughs> against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Both dealing, with dealing funny with this, haircuts. Dealing with the same problem, you know, they have, you know, uh, you know, certainly a lot of overlap in terms of buy-in and in, in terms of this problem and solutions as well. But yeah. Um yeah, yeah I, I thought it was a classic religious move to just be like, well, things have gone really poorly. God did it, and now we need to get rid of the guy who's been pissing me off. <laughs> and 
Yeah, I mean, it's logical. I in some ways, you know, I, I thought, you know, uh, the okay. way the scientific culture is portrayed versus the religious culture is a little opposite. Like, I would think the religious dogmatism would have everybody wear, be wearing the exact same haircuts, the exact same, you know, style and length. And, you mean like and those braids? No, I'm, I'm talking about, like, the, the scientific guys who had just, like, the weirdest, like, they were all the same. Yeah, you know, those were really wigs. weird. But, yeah, but the religious people had, like, their the hair braids, and braids. Yeah. Like, and those robes. weird braids. Yeah, there were things, but it seems like almost like you got a little bit more yeah. individualism out of the deal. Yeah, you're right. They, they did move the braids around. A well, little bit. There was not that much individualism in Except for that one guy. I guess the, the, really. the, the, one, the one, Yeah, Zastra. The, the <laughs> one that the doctor knew. He, no, yeah. Like, he, he was, you know... Dressed like differently from everyone else. Well, he's the only one who's both a scientist and he believes in God. But he also but, uh, the other problem is that you have to distinguish him from everybody else. Okay. Well, also <laughs> the like I mean he was the leader, but he did not seem in charge like very much during this. Yeah. It was just well, of course he wasn't. He had to kind of he had to lane. yeah he had to go off. On, on two different tangents. You had Lexa, who's the religious side of things, and you had Diedrichs, who was in charge of the the scientific side of things. And then and we had space mongols for some reason. <laughs> I, I, General Gruber. I feel like he was the, the true leader in this situation. He wasn't the leader of any one group, but he was bringing them together as a process, you know, to guide them towards... You're talking about Zaster? Yeah, but you think that he... Shared salvation. Yeah, but you'd think that he'd be able to go in and be like, I'm in charge and we're letting the doctor in and that's that. I'm not making any concessions to you. <laughs> Yeah, he tried his best. I don't think he did a very good job. Yeah, he did, it just he did like yell he, a little bit. He did better at, at compromise and better at moving things forward than any of the individual groups. And so, some, I mean, that's if you're, you're going to point out a leader on this planet and you're not going to take the doctor into account, I'd give it to him or, or maybe the cactus. But, you know, he's, <laughs> he's an army of one, so really just leading himself. Although I will say for the religious leader, I can go with the story after meeting the doctor and talking to him for a while. That a god would take away your power source and make you sacrifice him just to get, just, you know, to get your power back. I can see that. When you yeah, say that. I, I mean, I'm sure there's a diversity of gods out there. I, I wouldn't want to live with that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I guess that could happen. And just specifically crush him with a giant rock. <laughs> that was, well, hey, look at the physics involved with that rock, though. I mean, it, it was, was a magic rock. <laughs> It was being held up by God. I'm pretty sure it would not have fallen even if the other rope broke at that point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I witnessed that rock and all of my uh, you know, sacrificial killings, I'd be a lot more likely to be you know, a faithful, dogmatic person. Yeah, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, we also had the idiots of General Gruger, Lieutenant Brotatak, and all these other people that just blindly go ahead and go across the universe to get some Earthling off of Earth and bring it all, drag him all the way back to Meglos, somewhere halfway across yeah, the universe. Yeah, why specifically that guy? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you need? I mean, what, I mean, the Mongolians are definitely not... Um, Intellectually available, Mongolian. That's <laughs> yeah. what they were dressed like. Yeah, they were trying to be like. That's what they were basing their costumes on. Although the leader gave me like very strong Captain Barbosa like <laughs> vibes from Pirates of the Caribbean. Was anyone else feeling that? But why <laughs> not choose the eighties businessman? You know, from his from his lunch break. I mean, <laughs> because he, it's light years away. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know. It seems like there's ener- plentiful energy all about. What was know, weird to me it was just like if if Meglos could 
you know, move independently and take on the form of the doctor. Why did he need that other guy? No. Well, he, he needed the guy. Gaztecs for their spaceship. He needed transportation. No, but why did he need the Earth guy? The, I think he needed the business guy to... I don't think he can be anything other than a cactus without a host. He needed, right. I mean, yeah. he has, like, the human DNA, and he, he needed to move. kind of look like a human and, and change things. But then from there... plausible enough. But from know. there, he, like... I, I mean, I would have been cool if Tom Baker was put into a business outfit and was, like... Just like a happen to look, look like him, him, yeah. That would have made more sense because with enough people on a planet, you're gonna have someone that looks close enough, and that would have been a fun just to see Tom yeah, Baker I, as a regular like business guy schmo. He don't totally would. What I think even as is, you know, Tom Baker had uh, a great moment. I think he was having fun being the villain. He certainly wasn't being fun, you know, being counterpart to Romana here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Half the story, and maybe even... Did he even it, know? Was there ever, you know, true eye contact in the same I scene? I think there was them? one scene... Yeah, but, like, at the beginning, at the beginning when they made con- eye guess, contact. Come on, I guess. And then he's like... But it was like a second, yeah. Okay, so uh, if you watch the commentary, which I have, then you'll know that Lala Ward says, at this point, she was really at odds with Tom Baker during this sequence uh, or this story and it was very difficult for either of them to look at each other without having to act like they actually cared now I think Lala actually did a little bit better job than Tom definitely yeah because uh, she actually she actually had, made an attempt yeah, she's a professional yeah. she was she was looking in the right direction she, and maybe the chemistry could have been better but I'm yeah. not sure about if I could place any fault on her just from an outsider perspective well and it was clear that Tom was the one that was having trouble this story uh, it's later on that Lala starts having her troubles and Tom's a little bit better off so it just it's just the time frame it's just the time period um, I, I yeah it's just I, I feel bad in the sense because they they did have a chemistry on screen as as a power couple and they made a really good team it's just that I think uh, this is like the beginning of the end of Ramana and she's just like I Lala's just like I can't can't keep going it's just sad. it's just sad, but at any rate, um, what do you all think of the Gaztex, the uh, space pirates? I think- liked the guy who wanted the coat. I thought that sequence was pretty funny, but oh. in every other part of the, the main of the story, it was I felt like they added nothing. Yeah, they good. We're pragmatic. We're this selfish humanistic force. You know, look at these humans and their selfishness. We can put them in a little box and. To control me, them and help yeah. us do our bidding. I, I don't know. To me, the lieutenant was the fun one because, A, he always had the best stink face. He would just, like, all the time be like, hmm, what am I supposed to do? And, like, scrunch up, and it was kind of funny. But uh, it's... it's The story wouldn't have changed much if they weren't in it. Yeah. I don't think it's... It's harder to take the story seriously yes. with that. And ge- the general was just too over-the-top gruff and his... Voice was always talking like this, and it just like I can't imagine them not having sore throats at the end of the day. And and like just like the whole sequence of Romana leading them on a wild goose chase through the Alice in Wonderland esque forest thing was like, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that might have been entertaining for like fifteen seconds, but <laughs> it was like several minutes of that, and it also well, like it took somebody passed, several days to get all that scene. So I mean, like she, much. they went past several different plants with those crazy you know, root things before she found one that she decided to sick on them. <laughs> Let's also go into one of the things that drives me kind of nuts, okay? 
So the Doctor and Romana, they, they land on the surface of the planet, walk around. Everyone's walking around the surface of the planet. Romana gets in a little bit of, like, a stink with some of the things. It's like she gets out of it when she realizes she goofed. And they move on. The planets, they're just all over the place. There's a couple that are burned, but not that big deal. Everyone, everyone on the planet, the natives, are like, oh, get a surface, deadly, you'll die up there. Like, there were a couple little plants that liked to, like, trip you? Yeah, it, it seems well, like there if nothing else one, you can... one really bad plant that wanted to, you know, take over the whole world. <laughs> yeah, know. but that was from a different planet. Yeah. <laughs> but well, he was on this planet. He was but, there, but, too. But <laughs> he's an invasive species. <laughs> Yeah, um, they were right to fear the surface. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> the Zulfathurin d- didn't belong in Tigella at all, but at the same time, ugh. he would disagree. He, he belonged everywhere. He wanted to get rid. He wanted to destroy Tigella. Yeah. Well, why did he? Like, I, I get what he wanted. Well, actually, no, I don't. Like, why did he hate Tigella, and why did the space I, Mongols hate Tigella? I'm pretty sure there was a, a part of the story that was scrapped because. Obviously, his planet was built for the the dodecahedron. Like, I think it's from there. Oh, so like they stole it from yeah. them or something. That that makes sense. But I still but don't I, get like what, what about the other but, guys? But what that, was that, their deal? They were just like, like, why did the captain of of those those guys like hate Tigella so much and was like, we should destroy Tigella first. I, I there's a lot because well because they lost some of their people in the fight. No, but he hated them from the very beginning of the story. Yeah. He was some just sort of, like some sort I don't of think he knew them. You know, like they worked from around. Are you there. talking about the general or yeah, Maglos? The, yeah, the general. I don't think he hated anybody at the beginning. Uh, he when he first got there, he was just he just hated being there. I think he just didn't want to yeah. be waiting around because basically it's Maglos saying I'm leaving. I'm going to leave you behind. You wait here for me. So basically, the general's like, oh, I'm just a taxi service. I get that part, but I don't know. It's just you yeah, think that someone as advanced as Meglos would have his own way of getting around, even yeah. though he's yes, I know he's a cactus and needing. Yeah, and, but if he can so easily like take over other people, like why wasn't there like at least a pile of skeletons in the corner of people like bodies that he'd used? I mean, because he was the last if one you there. Fold time in on itself remote, remotely from you know feasibly light years into and, a TARDIS into a TARDIS away. That's the then, big then point. couldn't you move yourself pretty easily with the he same had mechanism? a camera spying on in the TARDIS basically he was able to get in the TARDIS TV and watch the doctor and and to be fair this never had happened before and I don't think it had happened again until the Jadoon actually entered the TARDIS during the Jodie Whittaker era that's the only those are the only two times where anybody's been able to get into the TARDIS in any way shape or form and that just doesn't make sense well no there's also the 11th doctor where that um, Tenza kids shoots a message into it to a psychic paper. Well, psychic... No, no, that I can understand because, like, the Masters sent psychic messages, the Gallifreyans. Everybody can send a psychic message to the doctors through the time vortex. That I can understand. I cannot understand someone penetrating the the defense uh, uh, systems of the TARDIS. Now, granted, when the Titanic crashes through... The doctor's actually taken down the defenses at that point. Yeah. And then there's another moment where Peter Capaldi, t- or the 12th Doctor, takes down the defenses when Clara is trying to pilot it and it ends up doing something awful. But other than that, um, the TARDIS defense s- systems are supposed to, like, 
be impenetrable. And to have Jadun just simply go in there, or to have Meglos be able to put it into a time loop seems absolutely ridiculous. Redonkulous would be a better word, too. And by the way, those two references were Voyage of the Damned and Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Yes, definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, but yeah, I j- and we've already rated those, too. A long time ago, it seems. Check them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so Megalos impersonates the Doctor, which was kind of... That part of it was intriguing, but brought about the worst special effect where where this poor earthling is trying to get out from the tangles of Meglos, this cactus. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like an interesting idea, but I don't think it was very well executed. I mean, like, yeah. very quickly, the other doctor's in there. They all know what's happening. It never seems like it gets to the point where, like, I should really be concerned about him impersonating the doctor there. I yeah. mean, he does, he does grab, you know, the, the evil 12-sided die um, and, and takes it off of him. <laughs> But the dodecahedron. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, and <laughs> and also like the thing. I mean, so it was cool the makeup with the cactus stuff all over, you know, Tom Baker or whatever. But like, yeah, no, it, it also didn't. Yeah, it also didn't really like make sense. Like, if you're trying to be in disguise, why would you keep like? Well, I think what the idea was that the human was trying to pull himself out from from being trapped inside the cactus, or trying to pull him get away from the cactus so in a sense when 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 the tom Baker or the fourth doctor image started turning back into a cactus that was the human pulling himself out maybe that's why you need to go uh, to the feeble primitive earth to get one of these creatures that might not be so easily you know opposed well and why couldn't you just use one of the the space pirates why didn't you the space pirates are too advanced they're from space actually I, i think i now figured this one out the space pirates are too headstrong. Like, a hu- you can see a human being, like, confused and everything else and just er- not knowing what to do. But I have a feeling that the space pirates would not let themselves be taken over as easily. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole getting letting himself getting taken over thing was weird because, like, he seemed like, you know, a captive, and then he seemed like, oh, I'm getting put into this little container yeah. To, do, to get this this power shot, I mean, this is all chill. I'm not gonna react in any way. And then he's suddenly like, "Oh, now that I've merged with you, I'm unhappy about it." It was like, "What?" Yeah, no, there was definite. Like, I did not know he was against this. Until, I didn't. Yeah. Until much later, episodes later. On a more positive note, uh, Jacqueline Hill, who played Barbara Wright, of course, comes back as Lexa, and she does give a pretty decent performance, even if it's not the greatest role that she could have been in. Who? Jacqueline Hill, she played Barbara Wright uh, back in the, fir- the first Doctor era. Yeah, one of the very first companions. Here, she plays Lexa, the 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 lead religious lady. Oh, with the long hair, the one with the fez in the hair. Yeah, yeah. the one who yeah. just <laughs> fez. After all conflict is resolved, after everything is done, just gets shot in the back for no apparent reason. Well, she does well, save Romana. Okay. In yes. Sense. Again, this this is one of those episodes where it just has a lot of questionable decisions. I will give a nod out to the special effects sequences uh, on um, Zora 
uh, whatever that is. Megalos' planet. Zulfa Thora. Yes, Megalos' planet. Uh, they did do a decent job uh, updating those special effects, and it seems like they did pour all their money into the, that one sequence um, for when they're walking along. Because they actually had to try, they, they had a model shot, and, and they used CSO to put the people in, but they also were moving everything uh, together. So mm-hmm. it didn't look like they were literally walking on nothing. Um, it did gel pretty well, so I, I'll give I'll give a nod to that for being something positive. It was, but then of course there was also the special effects when Meglos is walking out from the center of those shields and like pretty much half of his legs are missing. Oh well, and the fourth Doctor's legs are missing. Yeah, I think we have to recognize these are like effects that would really wow us, you know, thirty some years ago. Yeah, um, more not, than that. Not now. Yeah, right. uh, honestly, as bad as I, I will say the Meglos. Uh, being pulled apart from from the accountant, uh, <laughs> this, that's how I see him. And that that area now it looks silly, but I think it probably would have been really cool to like in their an early eighties me. Well, they also had the scene where there's two fourth doctor images together, and that's that was not as easy to do back then because typically they'd have just another actor standing in, but in this case they actually showed two Tom Baker's together. Yeah. Um, and I think the set design for Tigello was actually pretty decent with all the plants and stuff. Yeah, yeah that's why they had to take the, that extra filler and walk traipsing through the jungle for several minutes. <laughs> yeah, a lot of running around the jungle. Typical Doctor Who story. Oh, and then K9 <laughs> was in this. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> he kept breaking down as as they seemed to want to do to yeah. Kano. I mean, at, at least they explained it, though, because it was a carryover from last yeah. story where when he went was, in the ocean and blew yeah, up. Yeah, at least they addressed how they put him into the corner at the beginning of the last episode and they did nothing with him for the whole story. At least they <laughs> recognized that they did that in this episode. Yeah. But once again, they're putting my, my, my boy, my top dog, Kano, in a corner. I don't appreciate that. So... I'm just going to say, of all things, this episode also had a really good set design. Like, I think, I'm, I liked everything. Yeah, I think they largely they, The it. caves and everything else looked good. They, they looked distinguished from the caves we've seen in other recent episodes. And multiple I, I did, layers, I did too. think uh, the yeah. Cactus House um, yeah. looked suspiciously similar to the TARDIS. I was actually confused for a second about that, too. I was like, are we... Um, just a, well, okay, the problem also is that now in modern Who world, we're used to the TARDIS having multiple rooms. Some whereas like in the older Doctor Who, you don't always get all these other rooms that you walk into that look alike. But yeah, that looked really identical, except for the central panel. <sighs> I think one of the other intrusive things in this particular story was the music, where the Leisure Hive excelled with a. Amazing uh, music. It it seems like Meglos. They really made it so difficult to. It was intrusive. It was over the top, and it was just in your face. And I. It's sad because Peter Howell, who actually did the theme song for this era, which is beautifully done, um, he did the music for this one. I think this is probably his, not his best. He does much better in other stories. So, just wanted to point that out. So at any rate, I think we're at a point where we could probably rate this, actually. Okay. I can beat that time. I think Jeremy wants to go first. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. This this one kind of 
it sits in this corny area where it's a bit entertaining and fun in certain ways, especially it turns out at 1.5 speed. I think it works a little bit faster. Oh my god, it was so much better at 1.5 <laughs> speed. Yeah for, yeah, for the 2020s attention span, I mean, I, I really think it, it gives a lot of value to Classic Halo just to, you know, speed it up a little notch. They wasted so much time walking and talking and, like, pausing. Walking downstairs and upstairs. I mean, even just, like, the dramatic... Pause. Yeah. Of the speech. We really didn't miss anything when it was sped up. (laughs) It sounded a little more. Yeah. Sounded more normal. It it did. And some of the actual motions, like we would see when, like, uh, the religious leader, like she moved her hand, it looked more like she was moving it normally, like to point at something. Than did the rather Shakespearean dramatic wave <laughs> of a finger all around the sky and pointing towards your mark. Point is, that was one of those interesting like little things we saw and was like, oh, that kind of works. But that said, I can't grade that on uh, at that speed because that's not what we had for the most part. Um, what I can say is, I like the set design. I thought some character uh, interactions were fun. If I honestly, I would have been happier if the space Mongolians were like something like space orcs or something. That would have made it work better for me, but that's also because of my headcanon. So I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm stuck in all these wars where I want to rate it higher, but then I don't. And it's all the inconsistencies which bring it down for me the most. So, in the end, did I have a good time? I thought it was fun. And I'm telling you this because I enjoyed the fun of it, but I was annoyed by the story and all the inconsistencies. And it just had nice little bits, but the whole thing does not gel together, so 6.5. I'd like to go next. Okay. Um, I I will start by saying that this uh, episode does have one of my favorite all-time Doctor Who lines, which is what we led with, first things first, not necessarily in that order. that's, so there's not a lot of other greatness from this, like this story as a whole. The story just didn't come together. The characters didn't make a whole lot of sense. The story didn't make a whole lot of sense. It was fun. There were some, you know, cool special effects and set design stuff, but you know, all in all, I'm going to have to give this one a 4.5 out of 10. All right, Michael's looking at me because he always goes last. So right, I, yeah. I'm jumping into this. You know, Mike, Michael, stop right where you are right now. <laughs> I am going to do my reading for you, okay? Okay. All right. So now that I'm in the zone, um, there's some fun scenes here. You know, I, I definitely found that, you know, I was entertained through great portions of this episode, but not enough and not to a degree that I'm going to take forward into the future that I can say that this episode is really much more than okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think all of the interesting concepts that could be a play, you know, like science v. religion, um, you know, uh, double double doctors, one being nefarious, um, th- th- there's a lot of potential there, but I think we never got past very surface-level concepts. It never became more interesting than, you know, what I could say, just in that sentence or two back then. <laughs> um, it, it was what it was. It was an evil cactus trying to take over the universe by use of uh, stealing a 12-sided die from, from a planet. 
Um, <laughs> a lot of the actors were able to make it through that, knowing that with a, with a straight face, and I have to give them credit. Um, but for me, it's only going to do so much. Um, it, it's going to get a 5 out of 10. Mike, I think you killed Michael. No, you didn't kill me. I'm just... Oh, that was funny. <clears throat> well then. Yeah, this one is a doozy. Um, I did say um, Underworld and Horns of Naimon was l- really low on the totem pole. I have to pare this one down with, that, with those as well. This... Um, I mean, there were some decent parts. I do actually... Appreciate Tom Baker in the dual role. I think anytime you have the lead actor take on two different parts, it kind of shows off what he can do or his potential, especially if he goes to the evil side. And Patrick Troughton was the first one to really master that. Um, Tom Baker comes in pretty well here. Um, With that said, I also want to point out that this was actually Jaclyn Hill's last acting gig. She passed away not too long after this story, Mm -hmm. sadly. Um, and, uh, so she probably wasn't like in her top form either. Um, it was kind of sweet that they brought her back to the show. Um, I will also give this a 4.5 out of 10. Um, I think it's, it's, I, I I almost want to give it lower, but I think based on my overall Tom Baker rating, I think 4.5 is the lowest I'd go. Um, just because if you got Tom Baker in it and you've got Lala Ward, if you got canine, it can't be that bad. Even without any chemistry between them, you know. Well, I mean, yeah. And, and so this goes, this is in, in the bottom three Tom Baker stories for me. And there you have it. So we've made it through yet another story. All right. <laughs> talk to you guys next rated. time. I did the highest rating? Yes, yeah, you did. did. Yeah. You did. By 1.5. <laughs> Wow. But you know what? It's I'm a softy. O- well, it's okay. I mean, everybody no. has their own ratings. Yours is just wrong. I was coming, <laughs> I was coming into this conversation thinking a six. And, you know, normally I'm on the forefront of, you know, really giving ratings. And if mm-hmm. I was first, I might have given this a six. But I don't know. I, I just found myself in the middle of talking saying, no, this is a five. Yeah. And that's what it gets. I was actually thinking 4.5 all throughout the story. Uh-huh. And then I... And then Shelby said 4.5, and I'm like, oh, gosh, well, then we're both the same. So that's why I did actually let you go first anyway, because I was like, well, two days. Oh, that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's true. Yeah, it's not true. (laughs) But at any rate. Michael's ratings never adapt towards, you know, any of our ratings. I've gone first. I've gone first. Yeah, only to prove a point once or twice. After (laughs) bullying. Yeah. This has been going on for a long time now. More than 10 years. Uh, Possibly, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. At any rate, hope you all have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Ciao. Bye-bye.